Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I'm your host, Emmy Morgan. I'm probably going to be here today alone. It's fine. I'm used to it now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, sorry, I just got distracted. <laughs> Excuse me. So today it's probably going to be a tough type of podcast just because I want to talk about serious stuff. I think it's serious. It needs to be talked about. I want to add some light moments in. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, So let's just get started. I'm going to start off with my Eva Mendez moment. I was watching Property Brothers um, last night. And I just, I don't know. I just think... Like, they, Jonathan and Drew were just standing there, and I just feel like they're such nice guys. Like, I have a feeling the way that they are on TV is how they are in person. Um, check out Vile Files um, with Nick Vile. Okay, I want to say Vile. Forget it. Check, let me restart. Check out Vile Files with Nick Vile. Um, anywhere you get podcasts, except I don't think he's on like, um, I don't think he's on blog, blog talk radio, but Nick interviewed Drew Scott and Linda Fain, um, Drew's wife. They are so fun. And then I started listening to Linda and Drew's podcast at home with Drew and Linda. The only criticism I have is Drew, Linda's cool. Linda's awesome. But Drew as a, is really open. He's really honest. I love that. Drew as a host, he kind of overpowers the guest and he talks over the guest a little bit. I think when, when you don't do this as a profession, when you haven't done, and I'm not saying I'm professional by any means, but when you haven't done any communication things in college or if you haven't done any broadcasting things in college, you tend to have a conversation with people. And when you have a conversation, having a conversation is totally different from doing an interview with someone. When you do an interview, you let more than you talk. And Nick is slowly learning that. But I think Drew needs that. Drew's a great interview. But like I said, he just, as a host, he's not very giving. He likes to command the conversation, which is fine. Plus, I also um, worked in customer service. And in customer service, you learn that the customer has to 
say their piece. They have to express what they're talking about. You have to jumble through all the shit that they just said and get to the crux of why they're calling. And then you also have to do it in a quick manner and let them just vent first. Get to, you don't need to respond back, oh, this, that, and the third, but you just need to find out what they want, get them off the phone and move on to the next customer. So I think that's also my mentality. So when I'm interviewing people, I treat them two ways. One, I treat them as a guest in my home, and two, I treat them as a customer, sort of. A, I love interviewing people that I already know because I I tend to ask more in-depth questions than I would. I tend to ask them questions like I'm a fan because I am a fan of every guest that comes in. But I tend to ask them questions that Tiger Beat would ask them or a, or a teen, tween reporter would ask them. And I end up discovering stuff that I didn't even know and that, that surprises me. Like when um, Kevin... Caliber was on, I didn't know how he got his name. I knew it wasn't his original name, like his birth name, his given name, but I I didn't understand where the caliber came from. I didn't know he had a financial background and everything. It was nice to know about, and I'd known him for years, so it was cool to find that stuff out. But that's how you get a great interview. You let the person talk. And when Drew was interviewing Winston Duke, which I was so excited because Winston doesn't do a lot of interviews. I just felt he kind of, Winston was had to kind of quiet down a little bit and let Drew kind of go. And it's, oh, that was that was unfortunate. I don't think he's a bad interviewer. Nick used to be like that too, Nick Bial, but he's not anymore. And I can appreciate, I was listening to Nick um, interview the Lady Gang, and one of them said something, I can't remember her name, I want to say it was, shit, maybe it was Kelsey, I don't remember. Um, One of them said that they don't initiate texts with their husband ever, and it works for them, whatever. Nick said the disclaimer, which I wish he would have said so many interviews ago, he's like, okay. I just want to say something. I don't know your relationship. I don't know anything about it. I'm not trying to badmouth your relationship or anything like that. But can I just give you a suggestion? Guys like when women take the initiative sometimes. And yes, your husband does it, but that doesn't mean he always loves it. He wants to hear something nice. And I was like, fuck, Nick, you go. Look how far we've come after 100-plus shows. I was so proud of him. So, again, it's the Vial Files, Vial, and his producer, Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle. I fucking love Rochelle. So, um, definitely listen to that. Um, but my original comment, my even minute moment, I went off a tangent. I'm just, like, watching them. And, and the way that Jonathan looks at people while they talk, and he's just so, like, there's... There's something to be said about a person. When you talk, they look right at you. And Jonathan looks right at people when they're talking, when he's talking. And when he mentions somebody, he looks in their direction. So when he mentions Drew, he looks at Drew, and then he looks back at the person. And I'm just like, wow, that is so amazing. I don't know. I just, (coughs) excuse me. I just, 
I don't know. I just love Jonathan. He's just awesome. He's so awesome. Hopefully one day I get to meet him and I don't freeze up again. But that's my even Mendes moment. Um, movie reviews. I saw The Invisible Man with one of my long-term crushes, um, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who is amazing. I don't want to give it away, though. But I will tell you this. The movie is about a guy who is an optics specialist in his field. He creates a suit that has all these, like, tiny little cameras on it. And the cameras can reflect light. So when he uses it, and he uses the suit inside the suit. So when he uses the suit, he can talk to it inside and do whatever he needs to. The suit becomes, it makes him invisible. He unfortunately uses the suit to control his girlfriend who just left him. He is physically and mentally abusive to this girlfriend, played by Elizabeth Moss. And the reason why I'm mentioning this, because it sounds like a downer movie. It's a horror movie. It's like sleeping with the enemy meets fatal attraction-ish. Elizabeth Moss is so amazing in this movie. She killed this role. And Oliver is so handsome. And I love that they cast this handsome guy in this role because guys that abuse aren't wearing wife beaters with stains on them with ugly goatees and a beer belly. Not all of them look like that. And I love the fact that they went against type and casted somebody tall and gorgeous. And I'm not saying that Elizabeth isn't beautiful, but she's very engaging. And I think she's attractive. Her character says, you can have anybody in the world. Why did you pick me? And it underlined the fact that that's what abusers do. Abusers know that they can't have Cindy Crawford because Cindy Crawford ain't going to put up with that shit. They're going to try to get the person, and this is what one of his, his brother actually said this. His brother said, you know, my brother sees the insecurities of people, and he plays on that, and you are the first one to ever leave him. And he did not like that. And I was like, wow, that is like so perfectly describing what an abuser does. And it's not that she's not attractive. It's just that she was insecure about her attractiveness. And that's what drew him to her because he he found somebody he could control or he thought he could. And it's such a, a mind fucking movie. And then you see the production value. And you're like, oh, my God, this movie must have been made for $100 million. It was made for $7 million. I want you to all keep that in mind when you go see this movie. It was phenomenal. I loved it. I just saw last night the movie Onward. I call it the male version of Frozen. So two brothers, um, they were on a quest to find this stone 
that will help their dad come to life. That's all I could say. I don't want to ruin it anymore. Um, it was a good cartoon by Pixar. Really, really funny. Um, highly recommend it. And the last movie I saw, which I am totally surprised that I liked, was Sonic the Hedgehog. That movie was so freaking good. I was surprised walking out of there that I liked it. Um, so Sonic is a special hedgehog on his planet. Um, he's sent to Earth to kind of hide because if anybody found out in the universe where he was, they would try to use his special gifts for their evil ways. Unfortunately, someone sees him and Dr. Robotnik, uh, played by Jim Carrey, wants to obviously dissect him and do all this and store his energy and all this other stuff. Um, They have an interracial couple as the lead, which was shocking, but also amazing. And yeah, it's just, it's a good movie, funny, family friendly movie. If you've ever played the video game, they do in it that are so directly from the video game. They have, you know, costumes, stuff like that. Jim Carrey looks like Dr. Robotnik. He acts like him. He is hilarious in the role. So perfect. Um, I'm praying that that movie does really well because it was so good. Um, yeah, it was It was good. It was a good movie. I, I suggest that you stay till the end because there's an end credit scene um, that will set up for the sequel. And it's one of those things, like, w- when it came out, like, when the the, uh, the scene came out, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I love it. So, um, yeah, again, you if you don't play the game, you won't really understand it. But, um, yeah, so those are the three movies I saw. Um The coronavirus. I want people to understand something. The coronavirus has been around for a very long time. In fact, there are certain products that have the coronavirus in them. This is just a different strand of the coronavirus, a more deadly strand. That's what the panic is. Um, They're actively working on a vaccine and care for it, but that's all that is. This is been around as long as the flu. I want everybody to know that. So it's kind of funny how people made fun of Naomi Campbell when she released a video showing her ritual, what she does when she gets in a plane, how she wipes it down and everything. So funny how people were making fun of her just literally a couple months ago. And now that's what people are doing. So quite funny. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, it's been around for a while, so people, enough with the mass hysteria. I think this also is a little strange if you look at it. We're in the middle, we're at the actually almost tail end of an election phase, and we have a medical crisis going on. Well, wouldn't it be just amazing if our president cured us all of this virus and suddenly his poll numbers go up. Well, look at that. 
Well, look at that. President Trump cured us of the coronavirus. Guess what? There's never going to be a cure for, there's going to be a cure for the strain. But like I said, the coronavirus has been around forever. I'm thinking this mass hysteria has been trumped up because of his election numbers. And I'm sorry. I am, can you call, you can call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever. I think that we have cures to every disease known to man, but we only release it when it's, quote, necessary. 20 years ago, did you think that there'd be a cure for AIDS and HIV? Now there's PrEP. 20 years ago, did you think that there would be a cure for cancer? Well, I am doing this three-step trial with the HPV vaccine, and my doctor says, yeah, it prevents cancer from coming in your body. So there are some states that are going to be regulating insulin to $50. Don't tell me that there aren't cures out there that we're not using. The government makes more money off of things like chemo treatment and all this other stuff. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, speaking of election, I really, really, really wanted Andrew Yang to be the Democratic no- uh, nominee. I was 100% behind him. I loved everything that he stood for. And then when he dropped out, I was like, oh, all right, let me go to Pete. Um, I'm not 100% on Pete, but he's closest to Yang. It, it was fine. I was, I was okay with Pete. Then he dropped out. And then I was like, all right, Elizabeth Warren, come on. And she dropped out. And now we're down to Creepy Joe and Grandpa Bernie. The reason why I don't like Bernie Sanders is because I feel like he might know how to do his job, but his approach sucks. He constantly yells at us, constantly. Like, I bet you he goes to the grocery store, and he goes to the deli line, and like, hi, sir, what would you like? I would like some deli meat. I want a half a pound of ham. Like, he screams constantly. It's like, why are you screaming at me? And it reminds me of this line from... um. August Osage County, where Julia Roberts' character is sitting at the dinner table and her mom, Meryl Streep, is just yelling, yelling. <laughs> Julia Roberts turns to us, to her and she says, why are you yelling at us? And it's just, I feel like Bernie just constantly yells. And I just don't understand it. I don't know if he's maybe hard of hearing or what, but it just, it kind of like distracts me from listening to his point, like whatever point he made screaming at me. And I'm just like, oh my God, shut up. And I just, I can't deal with him. Like the state of the union would be just annoying. Joe Biden, um, interesting fact about him. He ran in the presidential election. This will be his third time. The first time unsuccessful in 1985. The second time in 2007. He ran and he was unsuccessful, but when it came to 2008 and he dropped out, Obama 
being the front runner, went to him and asked him, would you be my running mate? And Joe said yes. So I would really love it if creepy Grandpa Joe, I'm sorry, creepy Uncle Joe, I'll get to why I call him that, um, if he picked Elizabeth Warren as his running mate. Now, the reason why I call him Creepy Uncle Joe is because I keep seeing all these ads and these posts and these videos, and they're real, of him, like, sniffing someone's hair and, like, hugging a woman too tight and staring at somebody in a creepy way. And he just reminds me of, like, a creepy uncle at, like, a birthday party. You know, like, oh, hey, honey, how are you? And, like, hugs you. And since my transition, I'm realizing that when guys hug you, they're not hugging you because they're being affectionate. They're hugging you because they want to feel your boobs. <laughs> Some. It's like, oh, he's so creepy. And his son is creepy. Like, his son Hunter, like, married his brother's widow and then cheated on her with someone else. And then she did on that girl with someone else. And I just, the whole, their whole family, we've had enough creepy in the White House. I, I don't want Trump, which really sucks because I'm going to be voting to get Trump out of the White House. That's, I hate voting like that. But that's my only recourse. Um, and I haven't heard if Joe's, Joe has said a couple things about, the LGBT community and reversing some of the damage that Trump did in making it into law instead of just reversing it, which is nice. But the other things I care about, which is health care and college for our, uh, the people that need health care, the people that need free college, I don't know about that, so I'm going to have to research. But uh, I hate voting because I really wanted to vote with my heart. Now I'm just voting with my head, and it sucks. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, so the main topic that we're going to talk about, that I'm going to close the show with, um, three kids. Three kids. That have come to mainstream, there's probably more. I'm going to guess there's more. But the three kids that I found out about, I started watching this Netflix show called The Trial of Gabriel Fernandez. Gabriel Fernandez was an eight-year-old boy who, at the time, his dad was locked up, and his mom, he was living with his grandmother, and his mom was a drug addict. His mom got clean. She got all her, all three of her kids back, and she started dating this guy named Isario. Isario, for all intents and purposes, worked in a nursing home. He was very good. Everybody loved him. But at home, he was abusive towards Gabriel, just Gabriel. Um, he felt that Gabriel when he lived with his grandmother and his grandmother's brother, was showing feminine tendencies. Now, Gabriel never came out as gay or anything. She agreed, and so they started beating him. They they beat him with the heavy part of a belt. They locked him in a cabinet 
in their room. They fed him kitty litter. They punched him in the face. They, they did all sorts of damage to him. Bill made his mother a card on Mother's Day. Uh, the teacher, his teacher was noticing he had bruises and he had, you know, he would act out all of a sudden. And she said, you know, what's going on? And he, he said, you know, I need to get away from my mom and then her boyfriend. The teacher called DCF. DCFS, Department of Children um, Something Services. I wonder what the F stands for. Federal? No. Department of Children. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not looking up because I hate them. Um, This was in California. They called the mom and they also visited. They called the mom and the mom was like, oh, yeah, he... He, um, he's been acting out, but I think it's just, you know, he wants to go to his, my, my mom's house. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, okay. The person came and visited. Never, no one ever talked to Gabriel. Um, the mom's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, before you leave, like, she let the person in. They checked around. Everything looks fine. Then she said, oh, by the way, Gabriel wrote these suicide notes. And the DCFS worker was like, what? He wrote suicide notes? Yeah, but I think it's just because he misses my mom and he wants to live with her. I I told him that's fine. Okay. Why didn't anybody follow up with him? Why? Why didn't anybody follow up with him? So when it was discovered... A 911 call was placed. He was rushed to the hospital. The parents said, oh, he was playing around with his brother and he got injured. The medical team saw cigarette burns on him, healed bruising, fresh bruising. He was done. His skull was um, encaved in certain places because he had been punched um, they're like, no, I don't think that this was that. So they called the police. The police came down, arrested the mom, arrested the stepdad. He ended up dying from his injuries. People are haunted. The teacher's haunted by this day. She went to the school principal. The principal said, we don't do investigations. Just let DCFS do their job. Um... The family's haunted because they feel like they should have taken him out. The dad got out of prison and he feels like he should have taken him out. Um, the, the medical professional is haunted by seeing his body so badly bruised at eight years old and they think of their own kids. The only people that are not haunted are the mother, the boyfriend. Four of them were charged criminally. They all claim, well, it's not our job to control them, the abusers. We did our job. Yet it's been proven that they falsified records saying that they visited and spoke to him doing all this stuff. They were let go. The court 
agreed with them. They were let go. So the justice system did not serve its purpose that day. Five, ten miles down the road, another boy dies, Anthony Avalos. Ten years old, and he came out as gay to his mother and to his stepdad. He's also beaten. He also dies. Fifteen Hong to DCFS. Nothing done. Gabriel's mom is going to be serving life in prison. She took a guilty plea. Um, she changed her plea from not guilty to guilty, so she's going to be serving life in prison. Gabriel's mom's boyfriend is getting a death penalty. Anthony's parents, still pending, don't know what happened to them yet. Then, I think it was Ohio or Indiana, one of those states, this boy Adrian Jones was being beaten by his parents. And not only did they kill him, they have it on surveillance. His dad, so his mom was in a bad way. She was really in a bad way. Her parents wanted to take the boy. His dad said, no, I want him. So his dad got him along with his stepmom. They recorded torturing him. They would leave him in the shower. That's where he died. He died in the shower alone by himself. Uh, I think he was like six or something. Um, They beat him. They starved him. They put food in a bowl and put bugs and dirt in it. They left him in a dirty swimming pool to to bathe. Um, They really mistreated this boy. And then after that, after he had died for two days, they decided to feed him to pigs. They starved the pigs for two weeks, and then they fed him to pigs. Neighbors called in, yeah. People are still haunted. And guess what happened? There were reports to DCFS prior that he was being abused. And then he became homeschooled. And DCFS, once again, even though it's in another state, did not do their job. These children being abused is the new school shooting. Every year, there's something different. Every year, there's a new crisis that we need to address. School shootings was last year. This year, it's children being abused and being murdered and no one helping. Who's going to stop that? Um, His parents, Adrian's parents, stepmom's life with the possibility of parole in 25 years and the stepdad, or his dad got life with the possibility of parole in like, oh gosh, I don't even remember, 50 years or something like that. They should not have parole, period. They should have life forever. These people are a danger to society. Why are you letting them be paroled after that? Um, there have been multiple reports that Gabriel's mom, Pearl, is constantly being beaten in prison. They shanked her, they withhold food from her, they destroyed her her room, 
I can't say that I'm sad about it, but I can't say that that's what I want because that doesn't bring Gabriel back. Um, never met Gabriel, never met Adrian, never met Anthony, but no one wants harm to kids. That's just awful. Um, what I wish would happen going forward is people like Donald Trump say gay parents, LGBTQ plus parents shouldn't adopt. I think that he should rethink that. Um, kids like Adrian, kids like Anthony, kids like Gabriel could have benefited from having parents that love them no matter what. Um, but if you think about it, gay parents never think that they ever will be able to have kids because two men can't produce a baby. Two women can't produce a baby on their own. Um, surrogacy is expensive. Adoption's easier. He needs to really rethink his stance on that. And DCFS needs to do a better job. I understand that they're overloaded. I understand they have caseloads up the ass, but every kid matters. If you don't want to do this job, find another one and hire more people because kids' lives are at stake. Um, yeah, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Last thing I want to say before I wrap it up, a um, couple things. I hope that everybody goes out and buys a calendar um, to support my film. Um, well, the film I'm a part of, not my film. Um, go to kittythefilm.com and go buy a calendar. And while you're online, why don't you support my walk-in on June 14th for Boston Children's Hospital? If you go to fundraise.childrenshospital.org slash go to slash M, excuse me, slash E-M-O-Q-U-I-N-N-7-6 and donate to my walk. You can donate 5, 10, 20, whatever, but I do need your support. The reason why I do that walk every year is because my sister's son was born with his heart on the outside of where it should be. It wasn't outside of his body, but it was outside where it should be. And some of the arteries weren't where they should be. He wasn't even hours old before they had to do the surgery right away to save his life. Boston Children's did that. And he's alive now. And he's turning 12. And yesterday he was at a hockey game. And he came in, face windblown on the cheeks. And He's the goofiest, funniest, happiest kid you're ever going to meet. And just recently, his mother sent a picture to me and my other sister. He had all A's on his report card. So and the thing about Tyler that's really awesome is that he tries so hard. And he's so, he's just so funny. He's always smiling, always laughing always completely goofy. Yeah, sometimes he gets so overzealous and you're like, all right, Tyler, stop. All right, Tyler, stop. But he's a good kid. And I'm never going to take that away from him. So if you could please donate, that'd be great. I would really appreciate it. Um, but that's it. 
I um I might go back to weekly now, weekly shows. I might, I might. I'm thinking about it, just because I feel like getting the routine in would be good. Um, I did like bi-weekly, but wasn't doing that great, and I never want to disappoint my audience by not being there and talking about important issues that we need to discuss. So I'm actually working on getting some permanent co-hosts. So if you would like, if you're listening and you would like to be a permanent co-host, definitely reach out. Um, Yeah, but that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.